Adam Pangili, good morning. Morning, Jared. Morning, Clarky. Morning, buddy. Now, just uh, I'll read this text out right at now, actually. That's tragic news. The Price family are top class. They've waited 30-odd years for a horse like that. Yeah, awful news with Counter Rupee yesterday. Yeah, absolutely terrible, isn't it, Jared? Uh, when the news came through yesterday morning, I think everyone in the wider racing fraternity was absolutely stunned. It just goes to show how fragile and fickle, uh, fickle the racing game can be, Kana. And I echo Rod's sentiments that Robert and Luke Price have been training for many, many years down the south coast. In more recent times, they've shifted their permanent base to Kembla Grange. And to find a horse like Count Derupe, who's won you know, more than $2 million in prize money, obviously went extremely close to winning a Golden Eagle, won the gong in their hometown, which was a massive, massive thrill for them. And then obviously had more group success in any sites at some stage this year in the Spring Carnival. It's just a horrible, horrible blow. So commiserations go out to Robert and Luke, the noble family who have raced the horse as well. And, um, yeah, some extremely trying times for everyone involved with Count Derupe. Yeah, devastating. Uh, Adam, in the Congo, headed for Melbourne instead of the Everest path. Yeah, I found this fascinating, Clarky. Henry Field, the uh, majority owner in the Congo, obviously said that this stage probably going to dodge nature strip in, in, in the early Everest lead-up mm-hmm. races and head to sort of races like the McEwen Stakes and the Moya Stakes and then map his path from there. And it just got me thinking a little bit, Clarky, the fact that we've got five or six horses already locked in uh, for the Everest as it stands at the mm-hmm. moment. Probably six if Classic Legend uh, passes all these scans and is cleared to go by Les Bridge. But Where's the second half of the field going to be made up? That's sort of a question mark that I'm sort of asking myself at the moment is who are these horses going to put their hand up in the next few weeks and, and really make a case to fill those spots 7 through 12? Because there's nothing that's really obviously jumping out at you at the moment off the page when you look at trials and mm. you know, look at some fields, uh, acceptances for the weekend. So, yeah, still plenty to play out. A lot of slot holders to make a call um, in coming weeks. But I just thought that was a bit surprising. The end of the Congo might be heading for Melbourne rather than staying in Sydney and, and trying to tackle on Everest. Now, Zoo Tiger yesterday, this is the one you UN- Davo tip, didn't wasn't it? Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. I remember we had John O'Shea on a, a couple of months ago as well, and he he nominated this horse going forward as one to really watch, and surely it's going to be headed towards Group Ones. Yeah, not often we see horses come out in midweeks, Jared, is it? And the trainers immediately say, "Yep, I'm going to take this horse towards a Group One in the next few weeks." But that's the opinion that John has of Zoo Tiger, and extremely impressive there under Jane Mac, a really positive ride, and put them away. And I reckon John's got a really nice batch of three-year-olds at the moment. He sort of held a lot of his two-year-olds back last campaign with the wet tracks and they just weren't quite ready. And he's ready to unleash them at the moment. And Zoo Tiger might potentially be the pick of the bunch, uh, even given he had the horse that won the, the, the Rosebud called Zuccarino. So, uh, yeah, they'll probably try and target the Golden Rose and potentially the Caulfield Guineas later in the campaign. I think he's a really nice horse in the making. Uh, I want to ask you about your story in the Herald today in regards to Ben Hunt and the Dragons. Now, when I read this, I just thought, well, what does this tell you about the confidence in the coach there overall around the club in uh, that Ben Hunt, what he wants to have a clause in his next contract basically linked to Anthony Griffin and whether he's there or not? Yeah, there was a very brief question, Jared asked by representatives of the Dragons saying, can we have Ben's contract tied to the future of Anthony Griffin, basically, and obviously hoping that Griffin will stay at the club beyond the end of next season into 24 and 25. And the Dragons, probably understandably and quite quickly sort of dismissed that, uh, dismissed that notion and said, no, we won't be having any player who has their contract tied to a coach. So I don't think it's going to be a, a massive issue in terms of the negotiation, but it was just, a, I suppose, an ambitious question. It was lobbed by Ben Hunt's team, said to the Dragons, see if they'd entertain that idea. Listen, Gerald, I think, I think you'll probably stay at the Dragons. I don't think there's going to be too much concerns there, but there's obviously you know a little bit of ground they need to make up between the two parties. There's been reports that, Ben's been lowballed and, and offer, offer around $700,000, $750,000 a season. He speaks to other people involved, and they say they're definitely adamant that the offer has an eight in front of it to start off with per year. So they've got to find some common ground. I don't think 
he will leave the Dragons. If you're putting a gun to my head and asking what do you think he'll do, but they need to get this negotiation sorted pretty quickly because Ben Hunt's going to be on a plane for the World Cup in about five or six weeks' time, and the Dragons don't want to leave this this negotiation hanging over for that World Cup. So plenty to play out at the moment, and uh, with the best club's best player and their captain off contract, they need to get this sorted ASAP, I reckon. Thank you so much, mate. Have a good day. See you, boys.